Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. On today's episode, we're going to be looking back at 2017 and all the cool gaming moments that we've had, and talk about some of our favorites. But first, let's talk about what we've been playing. So we just finished up a game of Terraforming Mars. And I'm pretty salty. You are, yeah, you're very salty, but deservedly so. I played a bio strategy, a combination of plants, animals, and microbe. It was light on the microbes, but heavy on the plants. I had Ecoline. I actually passed up the UN Mm -hmm. to play Ecoline. And yeah, that that worked. (laughs) Yeah, I played my favorite Hellion Corporation because I got to have a fuck ton of heat and money but the game was too quick for me to take advantage of it because it was only really at the very end after the heat was already up that the extra money from the heat would have really been that useful because i had to at first balance increasing the the temperature as well as using the heat for the money yeah and this is a, a thought that's sort of just forming now is that corporate era obviously has an impact on the game generally and sort of the the pace of it and how it feels but it also has interesting effects and disparate effects on specific corporations Mm -hmm. so like ecoline because it takes you longer to get going is i feel like nerfed by corporate era you know you get the two free plant production which is going to help but compared to the sort of rush start that you get from a regular game i feel like ecoline is less powerful whereas a lot of what Hellion does is, I think, enabled by Corporate Era. It gives yeah. you a second pool of money to draw from when you've got all these extra other cards that you're going to be working with, not to mention there's a card caretaker contract Okay. Yeah. that allows you to spend heat to gain a TR. There we so go. Even, if the, even if the temperature track is full, you spend mm-hmm. eight heat, you get a TR, which is perfect for Hellion because, yeah. you know, if they rush down temperature and Mm -hmm. you've still got low parameters for ocean and oxygenation then you've got this entire avenue of of terraform rating that you alone can access exactly and normally when you have hellion corporation in the game like heat is destroyed pretty quickly yeah you heat up the the planet really quick but then the other things like the oceans and and the oxygen are usually lagging behind but we were pretty much racing. We, we finished both on the same turn, I believe. Yeah. Oxygen and temperature both finished on Generation 8. Oceans finished on Generation 9. Yeah. Which, Oceans in particular, was really, really quick. Oh, yeah. I think that's usually the parameter in my games that takes the longest. Yeah, exactly. It was like a rush, a sprint, and uh, that played into your hands. It did. But, I mean, it's uh, really cool. And... You gave me an insert from Broken Token for Terraforming Mars. I did. The uh, the organizational insert, which people who have acquired or played Terraforming Mars will know that it sorely needs. 100%. And so that was why I suggested Terraforming Mars. And then I came to find out when I came here to give him his Christmas gift that he had gotten me something very much in the same vein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Namely, Terraforming Mars, which you have not yet owned. Right. So. It was a very Martian Christmas. Yes, it was. and But yeah, I still definitely enjoy the game. It's still fun, but I'm just salty. Right. <laughs> Thankfully, though, uh, that's not all we've been playing, yeah. and there are substantially less salt-inducing games. We had a going-away party for a friend of ours recently, yep. and we all sat around a table and played a bunch of different board games. Yeah, we started off with a little bit of Bang the Dice game. And for me, this is my favorite way of playing Bang. I think that the card game is a little bit too long, 
and it feels like a social deduction game that they took and stretched. Yeah. And for me, social deduction games are usually supposed to be pretty short, and that's where I think the dice game really improved it. It's just you throw some dice. It is extremely luck-based, but that's the point. Yeah, I agree. And there was one of the people at the table actually hates regular bang but we we convinced him to play this and you know he actually enjoyed it not like it's not his favorite game but it was passable which was you know a huge step up from the regular bang for him exactly he actually said that he enjoyed this game yeah so when you go from hating something to being like oh yeah this version i actually like and it's like well there you go yeah it's definitely a different sort of game and i think it's one that a lot of us for whatever reason in our group enjoy more yeah, I, I think so, too. Besides Bang the Dice game, we also played another social deduction game, One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Mm-hmm. You have Werewolf and Daybreak and Vampire and Alien and that Vampire expansion and, like, a sixth thing, I think. I have literally everything that ever came out for One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Right, and we spent, like, 20 minutes trying to figure out, okay, how do we balance a game that involves all of these factions? And then we said, you know what? Screw it, we're playing with Werewolf and nothing else. Yep. Not only that, but we were just like, how can we mess with people the most? We did. <laughs> yeah. We we sort of worked our way up to it. We knew we wanted a powerful Werewolf faction from the start, so we had the Alpha Wolf and the Mystic Wolf both. And then we started out with a really powerful villager team, Yeah. and that morphed into a let's just cause maximum chaos. So we had, I think, the final game we played, we had the Robber mm-hmm. and the Drunk. Yep. And the Troublemaker and the Witch. The Witch and the Doppelganger or the No, the Doppelganger we just right. have for the Witch. That's right. Yeah. But like a bunch of people who can mess with stuff. One mm. werewolf who can mess with stuff and two classes that could actually like yeah. get you some visibility. We had the seer and the mystic wolf. Yep. But apart from that, it was just like, wait, who were you at the start? Yeah, that was four characters ago. Yeah, it's like, you switched with me, and then I switched with this person, and then this, and this, and then... The game before that was even more ridiculous. We had the doppelganger as well. Right. Who, like, just, like, it was like, okay, I doppelgang into the, I think it was the troublemaker, or, like, something like that. It's just like, okay, boom, like, you know, they switch it, and then the other person switches it, and it's just like, nobody has any idea what they are at the very end. Yeah, and then, of course, we also had a tanner in every single game that yep. we played. Because you got to have that one person who's just like completely in it for themselves. Yeah, exactly. And uh, trying to trying to mess everybody up. So uh, it w- it was a lot of fun, and that's coming from a person who isn't the biggest fan of of One Night Ultimate Werewolf or social deduction games in general. But it was a, a blast to play and uh, see really just the total chaos that we could cause. Yeah, it was it was just total chaos, and I mean that's I guess both the positive and the negative of social deduction games. Most of them are complete just chaos, especially the one night games. Um, but I, yeah, it was it was fun enough for me. Um, I preferred actually the game that we played a bit earlier in the night, which was Vi, of course. Right? Yeah, of course. It's uh, it's kind of your baby. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great game. I I do very much enjoy it. Just the whole placement aspect and like just stealing stuff from other people and uh we had some late game like switches and things like that and it it was it was fun i i definitely quite enjoyed it yeah it's always good to get back to that i think we we played the just the default game with no Mm -hmm. specialty cards or anything like that just family members and terrain cards yeah and um i think in that scenario 
it's just a really solid game. Like the core mm-hmm. mechanics are simple and they're straightforward and they're still effective. Yeah, for you know? sure. And that's not to say that the the specialty cards don't add something to the game because they definitely do. But I really just enjoy the base game. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's completely fair. The base game is very well done. So yeah. I definitely enjoyed playing that. As did I. And that is a look at what we've been playing lately. Twenty seventeen has been a big year. It's been a very eventful year for us in terms of gaming and in terms of growing the podcast, but also just in terms of hanging out with friends. We wanted to take this opportunity to take a look back at some of our favorite gaming moments from twenty seventeen. And I think we've got some pretty good ones. Yeah, I, for sure. It, this was actually just a really interesting exercise from the perspective of I don't usually remember things mm-hmm. like I have a terrible memory. So thinking back about all of the the shenanigans that we pulled in some of our various games, yeah, like there were a handful that, of course, I knew were going to be on this list. Like one yeah. of the ones that was going to be on this list, it's something we reference constantly, right, was going to be pandemic. And Pandemic Legacy is actually an interesting one because, first of all, it's, we had a, an amazing time with it. But it was a big step for the podcast, too, in that this was our first ever live stream. Wait, was it really? Yeah, that was our first ever live stream. Oh, my God. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And we, it was 16 hours long. <laughs> yeah, we jumped into it. We jumped in right to the deep end. So the first thing yeah. we do, like it's International Tabletop Day. We're like, we have to do something special. What are we going to do? We decided to do Pandemic Legacy Season 1, everything in one day. And that's it. Boom. Uh, and so it was me, Greg, and uh, William. Right. And so we started at 2 in the afternoon because in the morning we went over to Labyrinth and just you know said hi, checked out what they were doing for Tabletop Day. That's right. And then it was just like, all right, let's go. You know, had the jerry-rigged streaming setup, everything up <laughs> and everything. And then the game itself was amazing. We had played a bit of Pandemic Legacy Season 1 before. Which made it better for reasons that we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. But we never got past a certain month and a certain point in the game. And that is, I think, the first like moment that I remember about like you know being an extremely memorable moment about the stream. Yeah. So I think it was... It was August or September? It was, I think, September. And we are about to get into some really heavy spoiler territory right now. So if you haven't played Pandemic Legacy Season 1, please skip ahead. I'm going to guess about two to three minutes. Yeah. And we'll probably have finished talking about it. Okay, it should be safe. So in August or September, there's a mission that you go on to find a person, like a defector. Yeah. And when you do successfully complete that quest, which we had revealed the quest in our previous game, but not actually finished it. When you finish that quest, you're prompted to look for a character who has the Mercenaries upgrade, which I think they feel confident in doing, because if I remember correctly, the Mercenaries upgrade was broken as hell. Yeah. So obviously we were going to get it. That character turns out to have betrayed the party and be working for the secret shadow organization that's trying to infect the world. And so... Having played, you know, three quarters of the game and gotten right up to this point, but not revealed it. And then to have my entire rug yanked out from under me was just totally mind blowing. Not to mention the fact that it happened at like three o'clock in the morning. Yep. And like there were tacos and I was tired. It was it was totally an amazing moment in terms of narrative gameplay. Yeah. Um, And I don't think anything even close to that 
has ever happened to me in a board game. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, for those who didn't catch it, Greg was the person who, like, his yeah, character was, was the, the person who betrayed us. So it's like the character that he'd been playing since she came out, which was a quarantine expert, he'd been playing oh, her yeah. that entire time. And it was just like that came out. And there was just, when we finished reading that, we looked who it was. It was the quarantine specialist. And we all just sat there for about a minute or two. Because she was so good. She was so good. And we'd invested so much into her. Yeah. And in general, like, it was this character that, you know, you were doing so much with. And it was just, like, a shock for all of us. Just like, oh, my God. Like, you know, we, she betrayed us. It, it, it literally felt like a betrayal. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really like, did. It did. And, and I think that that's just a monument to, like, how good the game was and... Also, probably us at 3 a.m. Yeah. But, yeah, that was a moment that is just, like, amazing. It's immortalized on YouTube if you want to watch it. I'll probably post some uh, timestamps for you. But that was an amazing part of that game. Yeah. Yet, not even the most memorable, Not the most enduring. Yeah, no, that has to go to Colonel. We are saluting in case. for salute, yeah. (laughs) I'll let you tell this story. I told the last one. So the colonel was uh, being played by our friend William. And at this point in the game, we had revealed a rule that you could take a wound in order to skip the next infect step. And at first we were just like, nah, no one's ever going to use that. That's like, that's way too much. It's just like, it's just one infect step. Like it can't be worth like giving a character a wound or a scar. And then this happened. So we are literally one turn away from beating this month. And I think that it was even the second half of the month. So it's like if we didn't beat it this time, like we would be we would have failed the month. Yeah, I think that's right. And so the colonel, like, it's his turn. And we are about to go into the infect step, and we know that something can be coming up. We have some very, very dangerous things, but I'm I'm next in line, and I have the last thing that we need. I have the cure that we need in order to finish the game. But it needs to get to my turn. Right. Which is no guarantee at this point and so it's just like the hard decision was made the colonel took the wound he died and the next turn we won yeah it was so intense Mm. like and again because this was a character that we had invested so much in yeah and just to have not just the entire that particular game but the entire month yeah hinge on that sacrifice was Mm -hmm. just huge from a narrative perspective not only that but it was a completely worthwhile sacrifice we looked at the cards after that to see whether or not we would have died if he hadn't done it and we would have that's right yeah yeah yeah. so i mean altogether it was amazing it was just like that character sacrificed himself we came up with a whole story how he i think he was somewhere in like northern africa that he like you know tackled down like these uh, these people who are about to like go and infect uh, another city and managed to stop them but at the cost of his own life it was just a really good memorable moment yeah for sure so two extremely memorable moments from that one first ever live stream so definitely definitely a big part of 2017 for us yeah absolutely a lot actually of our other memories also come from co-op games partly because that's just what we play a lot of given who we are 
But I think it's no surprise to anyone that one of my personal favorite moments of gaming in 2017 came during one of our Zombicide streams. Yep. My character, Gowan, who I had been playing since the beginning of the game. We were probably four sessions deep mm-hmm. at this point. And my character was a tank. He had regeneration from the get-go. He was able to shrug off damage. We consistently got him at least chainmail every game and a shield. And he was just, he was on it. He was absorbing hits left and right. And there was a point, again, it was very similar to the Colonel, where if we could successfully bottleneck these enemies and successfully keep them off of our backs and keep them from killing us for one turn, we'd be able to get out. And so I risked the odds. I think at that point I had something like a 60% chance to mitigate any incoming hit. And I stepped onto a tile with nine zombies, keeping in mind, if I take three hits in a single turn, I'm dead. Yeah. And that's the end of that. The dice were with me. We didn't let Jacob roll the dice. Yes. They, They were with me that time, and I just fucking hero mode. Yeah. And we managed to get out. So this is even actually a little bit more intense than what Greg is letting on. What happened on this turn was, first, there were multiple of us on that tile. There were three of us, I believe, on that tile. The first round of zombies, when they attacked, we split the hits. We we managed to like defend most of them. I think that uh, you didn't take any at that point. But then we had another activation of fatties. Right. And then they came onto the tile, and then there was the second one where now fewer people could defend. Yeah. And and at this point, I think that yeah, you still were able to like defend pretty much everything without taking hits. But like the rest of us all were down to that one life that yeah. we couldn't do anything else. And then there was the third activation of the fatties. <laughs> and then Greg had to go at it alone. Yeah. And Gawain tank-moded, took only two hits out of, I believe it was somewhere around nine. Yeah. So he had to roll nine with only, I think, two of them being like two or below or something along, along those yeah, lines. Yeah, I think it was as long as I rolled a three or more. Yeah. I was safe. And the first time you did it, you didn't make it. That's right, but my shield. Yes, but my you could shield re- let me re-roll my dice. Exactly. So you re-rolled and just barely made it. You got two hits. You were down to one hit point, but you made it. And if any character had died in that scenario, we would have lost. That's right. And also, Gawain would have been dead. Yeah, because we were playing hardcore rules. Uh, yep. As soon as your character dies, they are removed from the pool of available characters. Yeah. And as a, just a boss tank. That was definitely something I didn't want to happen. Unfortunately, it sort of became moot a a few games later. We had a few too many TPKs in that game. Yeah, just we had a lot of TPKs, but really I think the most memorable death was probably the first death. Yeah. Which happened, I think, a game after the game where we introduced Crows. No, it was the game that we introduced crows. It was the game that we introduced crows. All right, yeah. that's right, because I remember raging at you about this right now yes. because of the freaking crows. Yeah. Right. So we introduced crows to the game mm-hmm. because Jacob thinks that it's too easy. Well, it was at that point. It was at that point because it was the easy missions. I yeah. told you to give it time to scale up, but that's neither here nor yeah. there. So we introduced crows, which are from the... It's one of the expansions, that you, the, the add-ons that you can get. That's, that's right. They're not actually from Wolfsburg. We didn't no. introduce the wolves. No. Um, oh God. But we introduced the crows, which can move extremely quickly, and they can move through buildings. Yep. 
Oh, and they spawn in swarms. This is very important. The minimum number of crows that will ever spawn on a single card is two, all the way up to five Yep. at red spawn. So, and there's only like 16 crow models. So you're going to go through these crows really, really quick. And we got really unlucky, and we front-loaded a whole bunch of crows. Yep. And we avoided them rather than dealing with them, which mm-hmm. was admittedly our bad. Yep. And there was one point where we had run out of crow models, mm-hmm. and so we drew a crow card, and they got an extra activation while they were already standing around on someone's my tile. My character. And it was, was just, it was a bloodbath. It was yeah. just like beak and feathers and flesh everywhere, and that was the first character death yep. of the game. And really what it should have been was sort of a, a foreshadowing. That yeah. was a premonition of what was to come because we would get <laughs> TPK'd three or four times. And you'll notice we haven't played Zombicide on stream since the last TPK. Literally yeah. everyone, I think, is exasperated with it um, just because it's it's <sighs> yeah, it's a game. We'll it's leave one it of that. those. <laughs> but... I mean, we had some amazing moments. There, there are highs and lows for everything. One of the really cool games that you introduced me to this year was One Quiet Year. Yes, yes. Let's talk about this. And this was, I think William is on this list quite a bit. He is. I um, mean, he's ride or die. He plays with us all the time. Yeah. And, and so One Quiet Year was amazing. Like, it's a collaborative storytelling game where you do a lot of the the storytelling with like drawing and like adding a few things you have to like make sure that things are either going well badly something like that but you're telling a whole story and we played it was me you and William right. um and it was my first time playing you guys had played once before yep and i just and we just had so much fun with it it was just a bunch of storytelling like i was going on like tirades of just like no this is great and you this was another one that you reminded me of this is a common theme you reminded me that in that particular game we had forgotten to tell you about this like 30 second limit that you're supposed to have when you're describing any particular game element yeah but i mean honestly even if we had remembered you were crafting such an amazing compelling elaborate story and you were doing it totally off the cuff you know because that's the nature of the game the turns are very quick and it's very dynamic and you, your just boundless creativity was like, okay, no, so we've got this, and there's this cave over here, and you would go on for two or three minutes, and it was just this amazing story that we constructed totally together and totally spur of the moment. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's the best part about this game, is just how you can create this story with your friends. It's, it's really is a collaborative storytelling kind of thing. It's yeah. less... There's not really that much of a game element to it as much as you have a few things that are like timing based. But other than that, you're just like, you know, going through and telling a story. You have some guidance, but that's about it. And I loved it. I absolutely thought that it was one of the coolest types of stories, like experiences that we we did. And I really think we should probably do that on stream at some point. I totally agree. We actually did record a video of that. Yeah. I I nixed it. You can blame me for that never seeing the light of the day. There were elements in it that I thought were problematic. So I requested that we not put it up. But He didn't like the stereotypes. um, But it it was so much fun to play. And I do absolutely think that we should get... I think William would be down for it. And I think, you know, if we could bring in 
someone else's well, get a full group of four players. Yeah. I think that would be a really great thing to show people. And I think it's also just an amazing game that I want people to see because mm-hmm. it's all done very small, very indie by a game designer named Avery Alder and the publishing company Buried Without Ceremony. So every opportunity that I get to really plug this game, it's available for digital download. Yeah. It was such a great experience for us, and I hope we can bring that to you guys on stream sooner rather than later. I completely agree. Hopefully this game will be on next year's memories list as well. There you go, yeah. But speaking of role-playing, there was another one that we did this year. We did the, the Halloween live stream. We did. And I thought that, in general, that was a very interesting experience because you guys had no idea what your characters were. Yeah. The the entire premise of this sort of Halloween one-shot, spooky one-shot, was based on this Tumblr post that had been going around talking mm-hmm. about how great would it be if, in a D&D campaign, you were just given a blank character sheet and you had to intuit things about your character based on feedback that the DM provided you. Yeah. So, you know, you're... You're a dragonborn, but you don't know that. And you walk into a bar and the bartender says, we don't serve dragonborn here. And you, oh, oh okay, you write that down. And it, it was just such a, a fun, you know, sort of silly idea. And the flavor that you were able to work into it, whereby, you know, we were ghosts who were inhabiting bodies and we couldn't, you know, sort of like VR video game rules. We couldn't see the bodies that we were inhabiting. Yeah. It was just really clever. Yeah, and I mean, so I had so much fun with what you guys wanted to do. So it's just like, uh, I think it, both of these happened to William again. Um, <laughs> William was playing the bard. Of course, he didn't know that, but he was playing the bard. And at one point, he was just like, I want there to be a pain beam at one of the uh, the like, cultist like, people, right? And like, I was just like, how do I do this for a bard? And finally ended up doing Vicious Mockery. So I described it as like, you know, you're concentrating on trying to give like, you know, make this person in pain and you just start spouting all these insults at them. Emotional pain is real pain, guys. (laughs) Exactly. But then the other one was that he wanted pretty much to make himself stronger. Right. In some way. And I'm just like hmm, how can I turn this around? Now, I was acting like pretty much a genie in this case where, like, you know, you've got the uh, the literal definition of what they want versus, like, what they actually want. Yeah. So he didn't really have anything to empower himself. Instead, what I did was when the next time uh, they looked at him and saw him, he looked like this giant-ass man with, like, you know, extremely burly arms bodybuilder kind of person. So it's like, yeah, he didn't actually get stronger, but he looked very strong. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, disorienting, to say the least. Yeah, no, the Halloween one-shot was a lot of fun. There's definitely been lots of RPG shenanigans as well throughout the year. One of the games that I was in earlier in the year was a a Call of Cthulhu campaign. I think Mm -hmm. I mentioned it a couple of times. We had some hilarious stories come out of that one. Definitely the most memorable was we had a character who had been... We were playing in the 1920s. We had a character who was from rural Tennessee. He had served in... World War One, and his his unit, his troop, something like that, was the 29th Division. I don't know. I'm not a military person. You can mock me about it in the comments. But he would shout. He would just go, 29! Like, all the time, whenever he did things. Like, he was doing a breach and clear one time. He shouted it. And, you know, whenever we engaged opponents, he would shout it. And it just became this meme, almost. And to this day, 
I will just shout that if I'm about to do something really reckless yep. or really stupid in a game. And barely any of the people that I actually play games with know where that came from. But it's just ingrained in my memory now. Yeah. There was one other one that you were telling me about. Yeah. There was this one time where Pedro's character was in the hospital. We had just been in a shootout with some mobsters, cultists. We're not entirely sure. Spooks who were tailing us. We'd been in a shootout with them, and this same guy, 29, had gone on the lam. He was injured, and he didn't want to go to the hospital because he didn't want to get caught. And it turned out to have been a good idea because the state police showed up. And they started interrogating Pedro's character, asking if they knew this man. And they, you know, sort of showed him a picture that matched the description of, of 29 and and all this sort of thing. And Pedro tried to, like, weasel his way out of it by bluffing and saying you know i i think his exact words were i know of him there was something about it in that particular moment it's not a denial it's not an admission you're literally handcuffed to a hospital bed with a bullet wound in your shoulder like what are you even trying to do and everything in that moment was just so over the top and so ridiculous it was just this hilarious role-playing experience that entire campaign i think was just chock full of those moments but yeah so rpgs uh, you know are always going to be full of memorable moments but again going back to sort of tabletop board games you have had a couple really glorious moments this year where you sniped or maybe almost sniped victory from some people who really weren't expecting it yeah and i think one of my favorites is terraforming mars this was like I think the third time we ever played the game. Yeah, and it was the first day. We played all of these games in the first day. Yeah, and we were at, like, this board game retreat that it was me, you, and some of my other friends, and, and, you know, our friends in general. And when we were playing, it was already, like, 2 a.m., 2 or 3 a.m. All of our best decisions are made at 2 or 3 in the morning. Of course. This is a theme. Yep, and I'm playing, I think I was playing something that also got, like, a lot of bonuses from Heat Production. I just, like, had a ton of that and then i i had this one card that i picked up a while ago and was holding in my hand for for a long time jason our our good friend was he was right up there set up to like win the award for like you know most money production like in the game or anything like that and and the funny part was that yeah i was waiting for him to open it um and and then it was I think the turn before the last turn of the game. Yeah, that's that's what that was the timing. And I was like, "Oh, thanks for opening that award." But chink, and what insulation does is it turns all of your heat production into mega credit production, or as much of it as you want. Yep. So I was at like somewhere around twenty something heat production. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And I had almost no mega credit production. And Jason was, like, so far ahead on the Medicare credit production, he didn't think that either one of us could even get close to catching him. And all with one card, I managed to make him question life and just, like, what he was doing with him, his life, like, I mean, why he, he was there. He existentialism. away from the table. I swear yeah. to God. Yeah. It was just one of those snipes that he was just, like, he was ready to take that, and it was totally his. And then, boom completely you know upended him of course he still managed to use that last turn to 
beat me out on that ward. Right. And I think that he actually ended up winning the game. Right. But at the same time, that just that moment of just glee as I played <laughs> the card and just seeing like everyone looking and just like, oh yeah, I go from like seven mega credit production to like thirty mega credit production with one card. It was something to see. That's how yeah. And actually, oh, it was even better from my perspective because, so this is a three-player game that yep. we're playing at two o'clock in the morning. It was my urging. I was like, yeah, no, we just, we'll, we'll play it out. We'll be, we'll take our turns very quickly. I'm regretting this decision. I'm in third place. I've been in third place this whole game. I'm resigned to this fact. So I'm just watching over here, trying not to laugh as these two are fighting over some award that I was never going to get. And I'm just like, this is great. This is some quality cinema right now. If I had popcorn, I'd be popping it. Yeah, I'm sure that, that, that was, must've been great from spectating. It's just like, how does Jacob think that he could get something like that? Oh shit. Yeah. No, I kind of wish I had been like casting the game. I'd been like, Oh, I would have lost my damn mind. <laughs> we been like one of those uh, like Spanish uh, like, uh, soccer right. announcers. Go! <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that was uh, that was definitely a great moment. Yeah, so that's a bit of a look at some of the moments in gaming in general that really stuck out to us for this year. I think it's been an, a really great year. We've both really enjoyed it. We've played a lot of amazing games. Some of them jumping up into our favorites. And just looking back at them and seeing like all the fun stuff and all the memorable things that have happened really puts it in perspective. And I hope that you guys enjoyed some of the stories from our tabletop to yours. Thank you everyone for joining us for our third out of four holiday season specials. We hope you enjoyed. Don't forget, we stream every Wednesday evening, and we're also active on social media, Facebook and Twitter, if you want to check us out there. Join us next week, when we'll be talking about games that you can play with no components, or limited components, in case you forgot to bring a game home for the holidays. 